Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. I was praying for someone this last week and I was asking that God would bless them so much that they would know it was him doing it. And that they would feel his love, not just somebody tell them about it, but they individually would feel his love. And in response to that, they would love him right back. And then they would tell the God of this universe, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to go after? Oh, that someone I was praying for, well, it was you guys. (laughs) Imagine with me, if you will, partnering and serving the God of this universe, the God of everything. Imagine if you would doing what God would want you to do with him telling you what to do and who he wanted you to go after. And then in doing so, he said, hey, since you're putting my stuff first, I'm going to take care of your stuff. You see, you've been really concerned about going after the things that you need, paying your bills, the job, the work, the place, the drama, all that. But he said, if you'll just seek me first in my kingdom work, the thing that's really important, then I'll take care of the things that are important to you. Can you imagine that? And can you imagine God putting a name on your heart and on your mind? And you going after that person, maybe a phone call, maybe just taking and forwarding on to them with a personal note, an email invite card you might get this week from us, or, or tagging them on a Facebook page on some kind of video promo that's done by Pastor Dan or Amelie. And then fast forward 100 years, or maybe not even that, maybe just 70 for some of you. And you're walking down the streets of gold, and somebody hollers at your name, hey! And they walk up to you and they say something like this, do you remember me? And even though you're in heaven and you have a perfect mind, you want to hear the story again, so you say, remind me. And they say it was Easter Sunday, 2019. A few weeks before days before that, you saw me at the office or in the neighborhood, or I was the girl that used to do your nails, and you thought I was Buddhist, so you never talked to me about it before, but that week you did, and you invited me to your church. You told me how much you loved it and what it meant to you, and we didn't have anything else going on, so I told my wife and kids we're going to fellowship, and we did, and that day, the pastor talked about salvation, a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. And I understood it that day. And that day, my wife and I prayed it together. The kids prayed it as well, asking Jesus to be their Savior. We went home after that, and our parents who didn't go to church up in their 70s, they they invited us for lunch, and they asked us what happened today, and we told them we accepted Christ. They then prayed and accepted Christ as their Savior. I was just down the street talking with those guys. And then I saw you walking out here, and I had to tell you, I had to tell you, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. We are trained in our culture to be consumers. We look for the best deal, the best quality at the best price. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I don't know if there is or not. But what I do know is that we cannot take a consumer mindset into our church. When you come to Fellowship Church, you are no longer a consumer 
looking for something yourself. You are a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come here, it is not about you. It is about you doing God's kingdom work here at your church. You ask the what, God, do you want me to do? What door do you want me to take? The Bible says, the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to live at ease in the tent of the wicked. I'll be an usher, I'll be a greeter, I'll do this, I'll do that. God, just tell me what, because it's real personal now. This is between me and you, or who? You put a name in my mind, and I'm going after him this week. In a little while, we're going to take communion. Before then, I want to talk to you about a story in the Bible that you've heard maybe a number of times over the years and how it can apply to us today. But what I want you to mostly see today is that God wants you to do the same thing for somebody else that he did for you. He wants you to go after them. He wants you to untie them. And he wants to radically change their life. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. You're so amazing. You're so incredible. And you are so good to me. And Father, for everyone in this room, I think I can also say that this last week, Father, you blessed us. You protected us. You provided for us. You've made our dreams come true. And now what do you want us to do for you? Who is it you want us to go after this week? What kind of work do you want us to do in your kingdom? How can we keep you first? And thank you, thank you, thank you for the promise that if we do keep you first, then you'll take care of all the needs that we have. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've been to many Palm Sundays, you have heard this passage of Scripture being read. But I am betting on the fact that you might have missed something this morning that I want to share with you. Take a look at the side screen. As Jesus and disciples were approaching Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany in the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. And as soon as you enter into it, you're going to see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it, and we'll return it soon. The two disciples left, found the colt, standing in the street, tied outside of a front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing? Untying the colt. And they said what Jesus told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, threw the garments over it, and he sat on it. Many of the crowds spread their garments on the road ahead of him. Others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. And Jesus was in the center of the procession. And the people all around him were shouting, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heavens. Can you put your hands together for that? Well, it's the final week right before the crucifixion and right before Easter. And what is interesting to me is not just the fact that he goes into Jerusalem, knowing what was about to happen to him when he got into that city. It's not the why that interests me the most this morning that he went in. But what I'm really looking at is what he went to Jerusalem on, what his ride of the day was. He got to Jerusalem on a donkey. And this wasn't some big, huge, beautiful-looking, domestic-looking, majestic donkey. This was a small donkey. Now, kings would ride in chariots pulled by the finest of horses. But the king of kings chose a small donkey. That 
was his right of the day. And the reason why he could do that is when you know you're a king, you don't necessarily have to ride a chariot. If you know you're, king, you're a king, you don't have to necessarily do something on the outside to prove to others you're a king. If you know you're a king on the inside, you can ride in a chariot if you want to, but you don't have to. Now, I think it's very important for me to point this out to you that this was a very small donkey. It was nothing fancy. It was not necessarily tamed. It was utilitarian, meaning it would just simply get you from one point to the other. So to me, that is proof positive that if Jesus Christ was here in the flesh today in Grand Junction, Colorado, his ride would be a Jeep. All right? So Jesus says, and he, you all go get that Wrangler. I mean, I mean you get that, get that small donkey. And I think on this very special day, the donkey has something to teach us. Because I believe there was a degree of intentionality in the fact that he went after a donkey. Because Jesus has something to say to us through the donkey. And the first thing would be this. Had Jesus not gone and untied that donkey, that donkey would have never experienced the life that it experienced. It was in the small town of Bethany. It was taken to Jerusalem. He may have never got to Jerusalem. Now think about it. When he rode into Jerusalem with Jesus on his back, it's possible that the donkey thought that the parade was for him because all eyes on Jesus and then all eyes on the donkey and then back to Jesus and then back to the donkey. Imagine that for a moment, that Jesus would take him someplace where he could not have gone had it not been for Jesus. He experienced something that he could have never experienced had it not been for Jesus. Had Jesus not come after him, it, then he could not have had the dreams that have come true for him in experiencing that which he experienced. And the same thing is true for us. The fact that Jesus went after you, he sent somebody for you, he untied you in your own lock, stock, and barrel by the devil himself. He has then taken you to places you cannot go without him. He's let you experience things in relationships that you could not experience. Enjoy a marriage like you could not enjoy. Take on a business and see success in it and change people's lives. All of that is because you allowed yourself to be used by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He will make your dreams come true. And he has, imagine where you would be today and what you would have missed out on had you not already accepted the Lord as your personal savior. Now it is interesting that Jesus chose for himself a donkey because all throughout the scripture, the Bible uses metaphors of animals to describe human personalities or different human traits. For instance, you know this is true, God refers to his children as being that of sheep needing a shepherd. So we, we see that one. In the Old Testament, the saved, the redeemed, the converted form of a man, the strong and the compliant person was referred to as that of an oxen. The old nature that is in man that is rebellious, non-compliant, resistant, and led by their own personal impulse, impulses, those that are stubborn, well, that is the part of the scripture that refers to the animal called the donkey. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 10, the Bible says, you must not plow with an ox and a donkey harnessed together. The Bible says they're unequally yoked. 
The word yoke means a wooden frame used to harness two like animals for a purpose. So if you want to get something done, if you want to be productive, you don't harness an ox with a a donkey, that's an unequal yoke. Because one will obey the master and work hard, and when it gets tired, it will keep going because it was told to keep going. And the other will just stop and lay down. Now the oxen has to not only drag the plow, the oxen has to drag the donkey as well. You see where I'm going with this? The reason why that's true is because there's an unequal yoke. Now, fast forward to the New Testament, Paul uses this very same picture of a donkey and an ox by saying, don't be unequally yoked together in a relationship. He refers to one as being saved, one as not knowing the Lord as their personal Savior. And what Paul is saying here is you should not be yoked up with somebody who doesn't know your God. Now, what Paul is not saying is that the donkey doesn't have the ability to make you happy. You can be harnessed to a donkey and laugh a lot. You can be harnessed to a donkey in a relationship and some of your needs be met. But when it comes to productivity, now when it comes to getting something done, when it comes to moving this marriage forward, when it comes to doing something as a family that's gonna make a difference down the road, now you're unequally yoked and you're not gonna be able to accomplish the same thing. I have guys in our church in the past that have come up to me and said, Woo, I met this woman at work. She is pastor. Let me tell you, she is fine. And I said, all right, did she, she come to church here? No. Well, is she saved? No, she's not saved, but, but she's fine. Well, fine's all right. But the question I have is, is there a possibility of her being able to kick off her high heel shoes and put on some tennis shoes and move the relationship and the family forward? Are you going to be dragging a donkey for the next 40 years of your life? The Bible says that, that we can't be unequally yoked because one, one will keep going. One submitted to the master. One says, when the master says it's time to work, it works. If it's time to keep going, it keeps going. But, one, but if you're yoked up to someone who is their own master, then your advancement is subject to their own impulses. And it's almost impossible. You see, being yoked up to an individual is more than just taking cute selfie couple photos to put on Instagram. I learned a long time ago that I couldn't just be Anna's arm candy. That I had to get some work done. I choked myself when I said that. We have to build something together because that's why we are together. And it's not just for selfish reasons, it's just building a house with a picket fence. It's about doing something for the kingdom for the kingdom work of God, not just something temporarily that's gonna just be left here for somebody to sell one day, but we're to be together to do something for the kingdom work of God. And that's why it is so important that we are equally yoked together. And if they're not saved, they need to get saved. Second thing I want you to see is the fact that the donkey was tied up by a door. Did you read that at the side? It said it's tied up in the street by a door. And a door is a place where you can come into one room and go out of another. So watch this. The donkey being tied up does not necessarily mean it had a miserable life, but it does, however, mean that it had a limited life. 
maybe wanting to go into one room that it couldn't go into because it was tied up. Maybe wanting to get out of a room that it desperately needed to get out of, but it couldn't because it was tied up. It wasn't a miserable life, but it was a limited life. A life that is just being stuck all the time. You could only go so far because the rope just kept pulling it back. Jesus said, go untie it. Go untie it and bring it to me. Bring it to me because I need it. And because I need it, whatever has it, has to let it go. Whatever's been keeping a person in a limited cycle of living has to let it go when Jesus sends for it. There's no demon in hell that can hold it. There's nothing that can keep it being brought to Jesus when Jesus says you just go untie him isn't that funny you say you go on time and if somebody tries to stop you you tell them the donkey's mine strong rope demonic owner person doesn't look like they're even close to be an untied. And if Jesus puts their name in your mind, they're about to be broken free. But you gotta go get them. Did you notice that Jesus himself did not go and untie that donkey? Did you notice he sent his disciples? That's us. He could have spoken, donkey, boom, rope broken donkey here. That's not how he did it. He said, you go get him. You go get them. And you do for that donkey what I did for you. You do for that person what I did for you. Now, when you finally decide that you are going to be a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're going to do what he says to do, take a door, work an aisle, be an usher, teach a classroom, be on the worship team, whatever it might be. And you say to your heavenly father, God, I'll be a part of your kingdom work. Somebody you want me to go get? somebody I can influence you give me a name and I'm calling him when that happens what will happen to you is called spiritual warfare now a lot of people want to take the word spiritual warfare and they want to move it to the extreme and we miss it in the ordinary sometimes the greatest expression of spiritual warfare is just you facing negative thoughts that the enemy's planning in your head It's not always bondage or addiction or oppression or possession. Sometimes it's just you having thoughts of cynicism. The word being cynical means believing that people are motivated by self-interest. You're distrustful of human sincerity or integrity. You're doubtful of whether something will happen or whether it even needs to happen. And the enemy will come against you and put thoughts of, you're not good enough for this. You can't be used of God. You had made peace with your past. You don't feel worthy to be used. You've allowed the mistakes in your life to make you feel like you are the mistake. You just feel stuck. That this investment that I'm making is really not worth it. 
I'm working too hard for the little payoff that it has. This relationship's not gonna work. I'm never gonna be happy. I'm never gonna find the right person. I'm probably gonna make the same amount of money that I'm making right now for the rest of my life. All those thoughts are spiritual warfare where the enemy is planting things in your mind that cause you to have anxiety and cause you to have fear. And then God jumps in and says, but if you have a thought of fear, that's never me, God said. That's always the enemy. The enemy wants to cloud your mind thinking you can't do it. All hope is gone. Hey, you're stuck. You'll probably be stuck forever. And is it possible this morning that maybe more than anything else, you just need hope again? Hope that this relationship isn't going to stay exactly the way it is right now forever. Hope that your income is going to get higher and more so than what it's ever been. Hope that the job's going to work out. Hope the individual's going to stay safe. Hope you're going to know joy again and happiness again. As a person, you're going to be smiling again. As a marriage, it's going to be fun again. When the enemy's constantly telling you where you're at right now is where you're always going to stay. Oh, I know you want to go into that room, but the rope keeps pulling you back. And maybe this morning you give up being totally free just to know that there's a little hope on the table that one day you will be free. Maybe that little nudge by the Holy Spirit this morning is to tell you that the God of everything has chosen you out of the seven point something billion people on this planet to not only be used by him, but to be blessed from him, from just saying, you can sit on top of me, Lord. You can control the untamed part of me, that old stubborn nature of me. He specializes in the old nature of man. You fight for the rest of your life, the new nature being saved and the old nature that is in you. And God specializes in controlling that old nature, specializes in taming a temper, taming a tongue, taming other issues you have that mess you up. It is always the donkey in you that keeps you tied. God says, I'll untie you. And here's why. Because I want to use you. So will you let him? Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message.